This isn't your grandma's cancer show. Not your grandma's cancer show. Hi, I'm Tatum Duroc, and today we're chatting about long-term side effects. I've got a friend of mine who charitably calls hers souvenirs. But unlike things that hang out at the back of junk drawers or magnets on the front of the fridge, long-term side effects are often not just physical. They can be mental, um, emotional, and sometimes even have a financial cost as well. And so I've got two wonderful guests with me today. I'm very excited to talk to both of them. Um, Reem is joining me today. She had breast cancer in her 30s, and those side effects, they just keep on rolling. And right now, I've got Barbara with me over Zoom. Hi, Barbara. You had um, tongue cancer in your early yeah. 30s. Yeah. So tell me, what was going on in your life when you were diagnosed? Yes. Hi, Tate, and thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so I got diagnosed with a fairly rare cancer. Um, the, the full technical name is a squamous cell sarcinoma, also known as tongue cancer. And at the time, I had just got freshly engaged. I had lost loads of weight. I looked amazing. My business was taking off. Um, I was self-employed, had a limited company in events. And I was just living my best life, to be honest. Yeah, sounds like it. So so um, I'm so glad you said the name of your cancer, because um, um, yeah, that is a mouthful, literally. And and so, when were you diagnosed? How were you diagnosed? Because obviously, it sounds like you were feeling okay and life was going well. Like, what brought you into the into the doctors? Absolutely. So I discovered a ulcer on my tongue um, about in October time. And I, honest to God, I have to be honest, I thought it was the wedding flutters. I mm. honestly thought, uh oh, she's getting cold feet. She's getting stressed. Um, so I didn't think much about it, but I persisted and I never had an ulcer before. And I kept going to the pharmacist and the pharmacist recognized me after a while and she said, look, you've been back a few times. You need to go and see a dentist. So I went to see the dentist. Dentist thought it was teeth, you know, rubbing against it. So they did their things. They come back in two weeks and again and again. So I saw the dentist a good few times and then it came to a point where he was really apologetic and said, I am so sorry, but by protocol, I have to send you to the Norfolk and Norwich Hospital to their oral health department um, and they have to take it from there on and he was really apologetic and he said don't worry it's probably just some sort of viral thing and I was like yeah all right went there saw a junior consulted a couple of times and then again had a massive apologies and we're so sorry but we feel like we need to do a biopsy um, again it's just protocol because you do not fit like the, the remit of a tongue cancer patient so don't worry it's probably your immune system or something going on and that will be treatable so don't worry about it so and I don't actually think the word cancer ever got used they just was, said oh it's nothing nasty in that sort of sense so when they were doing the biopsy did you think it was just for cancer or did you think it could have been for anything like a viral biopsy or something Completely honest, I didn't even think of cancer until the consultant who was taking the biopsy said, oh, this definitely isn't cancer. And I think my I think my eyes widened and I was like, oh, I didn't realise that was on the menu. Right. Um, and but then also reassured me, he's like, no, it's definitely not. And actually, because 
the biopsy to the tongue is um, not the most pleasant thing to experience. I'm going to be completely honest, but important nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, I was quite cross after because I thought, oh man, you just cut into my tongue for no apparent reason. Um, so yeah, so I went home and it took me a couple of weeks for that to heal. Had a Christmas happy as Larry, you know, was a bit irritated by it because uh, eating was a bit difficult. And then, uh, yeah, walked into the the consultant's room on a New Year's Eve out of all the days. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and just to put it into context, we were, me and my then uh, fiancé, we were totally relaxed. So we basically fell asleep in the waiting room. Um, and when we entered the room, uh, on memory there's about six people in there which I now know that's never good news um and I sat down and he the the consultant asked me loads of questions so this was someone else this is um actually the person who ended up looking after me and he asked me loads of questions how did you find that and I honestly thought oh they're going to tell me I'm a massive hypochondriac <laughs> I, was just right. like, I was ready I was like oh no they're gonna like tell me I'm mad but no he just went you know what you you've done a really good job because you have tongue cancer you're one of the one in a million of young women who've got tongue cancer it's incredibly rare in your age group this is something that um is something that affects elderly people um and yeah and I was just like oh didn't know that was a thing but thanks (laughs) So. so I'm trying to imagine what your new year's eve was like that night or awkward yeah what did you do um, I went to a party and <laughs> <I> went surprise. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I, you know, I, I said earlier, I'm like an event manager by trade. And I think I just went into um, emergency department. I was like, yeah, okay, what we're we doing, treating it this way. Cool, there's treatment, brilliant, tick, tick, tick. Thank you very much. Can I go to work next week in Germany? No, oh, okay, I'll cancel that. Never mind, off we go. Um, so there really wasn't that much emotion from my part until it came to the point of breaking the news. And that was when I think it started to sink in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and pulling people to one side. So, yeah, at the, at the party, we sort of pulled people to one side and then said, look, this has happened. But don't freak out because it's early and it's treatable. So, yeah. Yeah, that was difficult. Yeah. And... Can you tell me a little bit about your surgery? Yeah, so my treatment path was a really, really, really big surgery. Um, so they had, they removed a, about a quarter from my tongue. They then took a part of my arm by the wrist where there basically is no hair. So they took like a piece of skin there with all the sort of fat from underneath plus an artery by the way, we've got two, didn't know that, Um, an artery, then took that to reconstruct my tongue. That artery now goes down the back of my throat um, and then took a bit of my leg to patch up my arm. Wow. And that took um, just over 12 hours to get that done. So, um, yeah, it was quite mammoth. I was told before I went under um, the risk factors, which, I mean, gosh, there was like pages worth. But the main things for me was you might not have the ability to speak um and if you do you'll have speech impediment and will need 
uh, quite a lot of rehab. And the other thing was not being able to swallow, which I thought that's pretty basic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I was trying trying to mentally prepare myself, um, but woke up after the drugs did their job. But I was happy as Larry. I went one, two, three test. Oh, it's working. And then didn't shut up for two days. <laughs> <laughs> what did the doctors and nurses think? I, I think the nurses thought I was really entertaining because I just gave them my entire life story and, <laughs> and yeah, every anecdote I could think about. Um, yeah, they were really happy. And for me, I, I was just, I mean, I had a lisp and stuff because everything, I mean, I looked awful. I looked like I'd been in a car crash. I mean, my face was swollen and it remained swollen for quite a long time, which is something I didn't really think about either. You know, it took took six months for my phone to recognise my face. I was like, God. <laughs> yeah, those are things that you don't think about, isn't no, it? No, no. Wow. Especially when you don't have a password, you know, you can't remember yeah. your password and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> and and tell me about your your arm. Like, did did, did you lose any function in your, in your arm? Yeah, I, I did, unfortunately. Um, so this doesn't affect everyone who's got this type of uh, partial glossectomy with free forearm flap, to be technical. Um, but from where mine was taken, and plus my body creates quite a lot of robust scar tissue, it means that I can now no longer fully move my wrist. So which comes into, you know, when I want to do yoga, um, I have to do it on my knuckles, basically. I can't I can't um, uh, use my wrists in that sort of sense. And also, I drop a lot of things. <laughs> um, yeah, if anyone needs it, wants to give me a gift, cut, you know, uh, glasses, plates, much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's yeah. it's such a frustrating thing as well when like you feel like you've lost that that strength or that um, solidity of being able to carry things that you normally would just never have thought twice about. So how how did you said like going into it you were quite sort of matter of fact almost like using your events manager brain to kind of event manage did it come to a point where the emotions couldn't be managed in that same way or that they came up to the fore yeah well funnily enough it's always the small things that get to you Mm -hmm. isn't it and uh, so there were a few occasions that one the worst day of my life was um, a, a week or so after the surgery. I was admitted home. It was the first 24 hours at home. And, and then you suddenly realize that your body doesn't function the way it did pr- before and you're full of painkillers and you can't pass anything. And it, it basically... Um, a tick box didn't get ticked so they forgot to give me something to help me go to the toilet so I ended up giving birth to a watermelon oh. <laughs> and uh, that on a Saturday night at 3am in A&E which I was just I was mortified because all the clubbers were in all the drunkards were in and I was just uh, yeah and then my 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 fiance was holding my hand and I just went stop honey, now you turn over because that's the bit you really don't need to see. Oh. And um, I had like a rash as well. And it was those it was those little things yep. that just broke me. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, that was crazy. And then actually, I did really well for a long time. But what well, then the next thing, um, which I really didn't see coming. So for six months, I was Mrs. Positive, super strong. I, I, I'm astonished myself how I dealt with it. I was super present, loved every minute of life and, you know, 
got a bit deep about it. Um, sorry to my mates on this on the, on the behalf. But um, about six months later, I suddenly, my emotions were completely out of control. And I went through these different cycles um, of different emotions, which also made me really tired. So fatigue was kicking my backside. But um, I then later on discovered that actually this was PTSD type symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and without getting help, it was just going to escalate into a full blown PTSD diagnosis, which I think I was lucky to realize that something wasn't right. And I was also lucky that my GP didn't just listen to me, but then fought to get me a place um, for for some triage um, um, therapy. I'm really glad that your GP did that. What were some of the signs of the PTSD? So it first started, the first times I noticed is I had to go back to the hospital for a checkup and we ended up going in the room where I had the biopsy. Mm-hmm. And weirdly enough, I mean, next to everything else that happened to me, the biopsy was almost the most traumatic. And um, every time I can't go into this room, not even now, three years on, because it, it gives me flashbacks and it basically makes me physically sick. Yeah. I get shakes. Um, but not whilst I'm there. It's usually within like 20 minutes, 30 minutes after when I get home. And that's when I would start uh, vomiting, shaking and just feel a bit out of it. And as you can hear, I'm a chatty person. What happens, the opposite. Mm-hmm. I go really quiet. Um, you won't get much out of me. And then I go through a cycle of different emotions and not to go into too much detail into all of them. But I think the most two extreme ones is the anger, which actually isn't just anger, it's aggression. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't aggression directed at anyone around me, but towards myself. And the worst time we had was when I actually was um, either hitting myself in the face or knocking my head against the wall because I was so frustrated. I just couldn't contain, I couldn't manage my emotion. I couldn't, there was no logic to it. I didn't know why I felt that way. And then the the sort of cycle that will come after was extreme sadness. Mm-hmm. And I can't even describe what that sadness like feels like when I'm not in it. But it's like the bottom of the pit is never going to get better, yeah. complete and utter end of life sadness. Um, and, every, and nothing, nothing makes sense anymore. And there's no point in trying anymore. I'm completely defeatist. Um, now with, you know, a bit of practice, I know when this does happen and I can't control it and sometimes it does happen that actually the best thing for me is to give in to it and let and feel it and let it pass but I know that it passes mm. so I know now if I'm feeling really down and dumps in the dumps I was like yeah it's temporary it's gonna pass and actually the faster I can get my mind to accept that quite often I go through those cycles really quickly um, and with now, I mean, the last one I had is quite a while ago now, it's probably about five months ago. And that was through within a couple of hours. And it was actually only after that I went, oh, I think that was a that was a cycle, wasn't it? Mm. So, yeah. It's thank you so much for sharing that, because I think PTSD is it affects so many in in our in our community, in our shine community. 
Um, and I could really understand why that room where you had the biopsy, um, I think there is something about when you've been told by a doctor, this definitely isn't cancer. And then quite soon after are told that it is. That dichotomy between those two extremes and also having the rug taken out from underneath you, it's incredibly powerful. Um, and, and I think it does do something to our minds um, that is, you know, it's hard to equate. And I can see how when all of that emotion is literally too big for our bodies, it's mm. too big for our processing systems that were currently in place because we go back to whatever coping systems we had before. And when it's just too big, it comes out in all these different ways, such as, yeah, anger, aggression, hurting ourselves, dissociation, you know, and what you said about actually letting yourself experience that deep sadness. Um, thank you, yeah, for sharing that. Um, and knowing that, I mean, it sounds like the therapy was that helping with understanding those different stages and being able to chart them. Massively. Um, obviously, when we started therapy, we, we didn't know what the cycles were. But with the help of the counsellor, I was starting to see the patterns mm. and then also see what was setting them off. Because um, it wasn't just the room, it was yeah. other things as well. Um, and actually, it's really poignant that you pointed that out about the con consultant saying it's definitely not cancer, mm -hmm. because we figured out that the triggers are always to do when an untruth was spoken or I was, yeah, or, or I had like, um, I, I always get a lot of new bumps and lumps. That's just, you know, your mouth. <laughs> Most people don't notice it. Um, but every time someone would say, oh, no, it's definitely not. Yeah. completely spiral yeah um and 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 it, it's pressing those old buttons and it, it was basically about reprogramming almost my brain in terms of um you know when when you go into fight and flight to actually read the warning signs better and be able to assess is this actually a real threat yeah was it not um yeah and and actually yeah and I've continued so I had um sort of triage um counseling which happened during the um pandemic so they were able to offer me around i think it was four or five months worth of counseling on the nhs and i felt so great and i felt i really connected with this counselor as well which has never happened before and i was like <laughs> i love this woman she's amazing and then um yeah and then the funding runs out and then they're like right you, you you're actually well enough now and i'm like well yeah, I can function, but oh my God, you can't just disappear now. You know, that is such a shock to the system. And I also felt like we had so much more work left to do. I hadn't returned to work yet. I hadn't been on the stresses that everyone else experiences and how was I going to react to that? Um, so I then ended up investing, shall we call it, into private counselling and, and I'll continue that until now. And I must admit, I don't think I'm ever going to stop because, you know, we don't actually talk about PTSD anymore. We just talk about life in general and how to cope with it. And, and <laughs> right. I think everyone, everyone should have a counsellor. That's definitely my, uh, um, my top tip. And I imagine that not being able to work 
And, you know, that investment in therapy and I know you mentioned like an investment in going to the gym and, you know, doing other things for your health. Did that have a a financial hit? Massively. I cannot uh, underestimate, uh, underestimate like how how much of a financial hit cancer was for me and my now husband. Um, So first things first, I got diagnosed and it was assumed that that was the end of my business. I was like, hell no, I have built this up. There's no way I'm giving this up so quickly. So I really much um, took charge of the way I was going to talk about my diagnosis and how I was going to portray it like on LinkedIn and Facebook and all of that. Um, and then the second thing was, so because I'm self-employed, I got something called ESA, which is a benefit. So I basically got 520 quid a month for the last however long. Um, unfortunately, I didn't take into consideration that we would also have a pandemic in the middle of that. Yeah. So I was returning to work in March, well, March 2020, so two years ago. Uh, with the aim to start paying myself on PAYE from the 1st of April again and had cancelled my benefits because that's what you do. And then when the pandemic hit, that meant that I got no support. And I couldn't go back to the to the benefits because I no longer had, you know, cancer in that sort of sense. And we also weren't eligible to any other benefits because of our household income. So, which actually is a massive, I think it was like 20 quid over the threshold or something like that. So we were just unlucky. Um, and the, what, what really got to me through this whole thing was before I had cancer, it was like drummed into me. Yes. Be entrepreneurial, go out there, make your luck, you know, and, and, and do it. And then as soon as I got cancer, I was I felt dropped like a hot potato. Like there was no scheme, no stru- no no structure, no government support there to keep me and my business alive and see me as an investment. It was almost like I'm not worth anything anymore. And that I felt was really hard, a really hard yeah. pill to, to swallow. There was no one there was no one going to come for help. You're on your own. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is like people often sort of imagine um, that like cancer is the only thing that you have to deal with. Um, but, you know, everyone has had to deal with cancer plus COVID plus whatever else is going on. And it's so much. And to think that you have more expenses because you have to take care of yourself, right? Like you can't just go, oh, I'm just going to just going to push through because you actually have to take care of yourself. You're at the least amount of energy when you have to do the most. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's so much. And I can see Reem is is nodding. <laughs> I've been nodding pretty much throughout when throughout everything Barbara said pretty much. Yes. So, um, um, what what has resonated with you? Oh, I, I and I think this is the great thing about joining organizations like Shine, because then you can connect with people and you can relate with a lot of what they're saying. But for example, finance, I mean, I am bankrupt. I had to, uh, uh, in the end, file for bankruptcy. 
um, because I've had to be out of work for long periods of times. And it's not just the physical aspect of dealing with cancer. There's also the mental health aspect, which you've pointed out. And, um, And I was diagnosed with complex PTSD post breast cancer. Um, but prior to that, I already had uh, mental health issues, which I had to manage myself anyway, such as bipolar and borderline personality disorder. So you can imagine there was a lot to deal yeah. with and, and I, I needed a long time to kind of deal with things. Um, but yeah, I could relate with so much of, of what you were saying. And this is why I'm, I'm nodding profusely <laughs> the whole entire time. And can you tell me, Reem, a little bit about what was going on in your life when you were diagnosed? Yeah, so slightly different to Barbara. Um, I was, I think I was quite in a stressful place at the time. There was lots going on and, um, um, I wasn't particularly massively getting on very well with my family. Um, uh, I mean, job wise, I was doing quite well and, uh, and I was quite successful and, um, I was active in various movements and, um, so I was achieving, um, but not everything was going brilliantly. And, and in fact, um, it was interesting because I went to one of the, the reason why I joined Shine much later on, in fact, because I didn't engage with it at the beginning because, you know, at the beginning, you just deal with the cancer and you're just a robot and you just you just you're not digesting anything that's going on at all whatsoever. But several years later, then it hits you hard. Um, and then that's when I decided to sort of engage with, for example, Shine. And, and I went to one of the conferences and they there was one session particularly about LGBTQI plus. And that was really interesting because I was having this dilemma with my family where, um, you know, there's been struggles with my parents to kind of accept me as, as, as bisexual. So, you know, I wasn't massively in a happy place, but there were things that were going right for me. But um, yeah, being diagnosed with breast cancer obviously completely disturbed the balance that I yeah. built so hard to get to. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah. And and where are you now in terms of your surgeries? So uh, I've been fortunate that... N- uh, things didn't completely go right from the beginning and so I'm having to do the reconstruction now um, and I've got two more operations for my reconstruction and I've also got an operation upcoming for my lymphedema because I sadly developed lymphedema post breast cancer um, so that's where I'm at, at the moment but all the main kind of uh, you know, chemo, radiotherapy, uh, lymph node clearing, um, that kind of happened, well, it's nearly coming up to five years ago now. Yeah. But so. it's still, it's such a long time. I think people imagine when you go through um, breast cancer that there is, there's um, one big surgery, right, where you get it all done. Not that there's multiple fun- surgeries, not that surgeries can fail. And they have Absolutely. to go back and that it can take years. And, Absolutely. you know, it's like, you know, knowing that you've got another surgery coming up, like keeps you in a certain place and then you have to recover and everything else. So, you know, that kind of um, really, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the word for it, like to be able to sustain, right, that energy for that long, for like years and years. 
um, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense that it, it does impact our mental health. Um, so what were some of the things for you in terms of the PTSD? What, what showed up for you? So I kind of, I mean, there was uh, anger and aggression and lots of mixed emotions. And um, there were certain, I was, I, I, I was self-harming and that's how I, I then eventually got diagnosed with complex PTSD. Um, uh, but yeah, it, that's how it kind of manifested eventually. Um, I didn't even know that I did it, in fact, you know, it was others that I kind of pointed out, but I, I kind of used to scratch my face until it bled. Um, and without even realizing I did it, I was doing it at work and it was so embarrassing and I was so ashamed. Um, and then, you know, I was speaking to, I got a psychotherapist, sadly through the NHS, it was impossible to get anything. The waiting times was horrendous. I was very fortunate that my parents were able to kind of help me out with it because it is quite expensive. It's nearly a hundred pounds a session, oh, but wow. worth every penny. I've been doing it for a year and a half. And as Barbara pointed out, I think I might do it for the rest of my life because it's kept me going. Uh, and it's kind of put a, a perspective on my life. It's kind of made me accept a lot of things. It's made me manage a lot of things. Um, and understand a lot more about myself. And, and I've even got um, to the stage, the same as Barbara, like what I speak of with my therapist now is mostly about general stuff, but obviously we still do some work such as EMDR and things like that. But, but a lot of the time it's just so nice to be able to kind of, you know, express all of all of the things that you've gone through because that there are traumatic experiences that you go through. Going through an operation such as like the longest operation for me has been 18 hours. It's horrendous. And every operation I've ever had, every time I come out, they always say things like, it hasn't worked out, things went wrong. So, I'm, you know, I expect it now before I even go in an operation. I'm like, right, yeah, something's going to go wrong now. Um, which is a really terrible attitude, actually. And I'm learning through therapy to kind of think positively because things can go right and things pass, like Barbara pointed out earlier. And we kind of have to remind ourselves of that. And yes, things can go wrong numerous times too. You know, we have to kind of face that too. But also good things can happen. And there has been some positive things that have come out of it, like the work that I'm doing on myself has been so rewarding, so, so rewarding. And I advised it to absolutely everyone and anyone to do it, even if they haven't gone through cancer. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, there is something called um, post-traumatic growth. And okay. I think that this is the thing that when you do get the support, Right. Like when you are in a place that you're able to talk about it, able to recognize it, because I think a lot of people don't. Right. Like, you know, they might be dealing with a, a long term side effect and be feeling these feelings, but not necessarily putting them together in terms of like, actually, this is a PTSD. This is an anxiety. And, you know, and then finding out, experiencing it, finding out and then managing like you can get to a better place and but you can't do that all by yourself 
right? I think that's the thing. You can't do it in a vacuum. And particularly, I think, with younger people, with older people, they have less amount of time that they're going to deal with these side effects, right? So, you know, younger people, it's like that's you have a long time. And to be able to get that help sooner is massive, absolutely massive. Definitely. I do think we need to invest far more in mental health services. Um, And I've struggled with mental health services from not just because of breast cancer prior to 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 breast cancer i've really struggled through the services um and actually it's meant that i'm interested in it professionally and i've i've done some work around it um and i use my experience my insight uh, as a an expert of my own (laughs) health um to kind of help you know services and and i fill in surveys i'm part of different research etc but we do need to invest in mental health and i think if even when you go through a massive physical change or a massive physical illness if you can manage your mental health, you'll be able to manage your physical health far better. Yeah. And this is why I always say anyone that's just been diagnosed, the first thing I say to them is like, get a psychotherapist. I made a mistake. That's my big mistake. And I will tell everyone, do not do the same mistake as me. <laughs> get it immediately. And then at least you will be able to digest as you go along what you're doing, take stock, manage yourself, absorb things, and you will be able to st- sustain it and maintain it far better um, rather than dealing with it at a later stage when it's all accumulated and it becomes a bit a, a bigger problem. And, and that's what happened to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I can yeah. I can so relate to that. I mean, I'm 10 years, right? And I I realized Thank you. <laughs> I realized um actually from doing this podcast, uh, I was doing some research for it. Um I was doing an episode about guilt and shame, and I didn't realize that I had fallen into shame. Like a deep shame and how much that was affecting everything. And you know, even even this morning, you know, I woke up and I feel kind of guilty that I don't have the same energy as other people my age, that I don't, you know, do as much or accomplish as much. And then I was um, at work and I was listening to um, women going through the menopause without other health conditions. And I'm seeing so many of the things like I've been postmenopausal with no help for 10 years like yeah with no HRT like a brutal and yeah that would take your energy right and I still have to remind myself of like it's okay your life choices are okay you know like you did you did the best that you could but this idea that I should be working more that I should be accomplishing more is still is still there and that's at 10 years. So, yeah, it takes I, I take agree with you. I It's really difficult. Like, you know, there's some people which are incredible and I really look up to them. They go through something massive like cancer and then they get inspired and achieve even more and climb mountains and create these incredible social enterprises. And I look up to them and I'm like, 
oh my god that's incredible you know you got this amazing enlightenment and you're doing amazing but also what i found is the majority of people don't they don't they're not like that they, those are a minority and they're incredible and you know good for them but also the majority of us are not like a lot of people that i've spoken to have taken several steps down from very high powered jobs in hr in, in in whatever i've had to take several steps down so i think part of doing the therapy is actually recognizing my limits and boundaries and mm. kind of working within what I have because I do have fatigue I have a lot of side effects um I I have a, a chronic long-term condition uh, which affects me uh, and and so you have to be realistic of the situation that you're living in you can't compare yourself to what even you used to be no. in fact or even what your peers are at that moment in time that haven't gone through the same thing as you because right. it would destroy you because that's what it did to me because I was like oh my god I'm failing at life like on mm -hmm. every possible level like what is going on I'm bankrupt I am you know I, I can't keep a job I don't know what I wanted you know I felt lost for someone that's known exactly what I wanted to do in the past suddenly like everything has gone tits up basically uh, but we have to take stock to, on our situation and actually look at what we're achieving we're we're surviving in under conditions which are I extreme <laughs> and we're still trying our best like like we need to give ourselves credit for those achievements rather than looking at the bigger picture or comparing ourselves to people that have never even gone through anything remotely the same as us and but that's hard it's mm. hard to accept that because you've lost a part of you you're accepting something you're accepting a new you and yeah. that's difficult because you're saying goodbye to the old one and saying right hello i'm having to create a new me and and that's tough that's hard work yeah that's really really hard work and i think that there is that uncertainty like how long your side effects are going to go on for like how how long they might be there and that endurance that was the word I mean it's a it's an incredible level of endurance like every scanxiety every time you're back in the hospital every new bump every new side effect you know and some side effects roll out of nowhere several years later um, and that can be yeah I like what you were saying about credit. I'm all about <laughs> I collecting credits. I used yeah. to, when someone used to give me a compliment, I used to be like, oh, I'm going to put that in a box for a rainy day. <laughs> like, that was my beginning of being able to accept a compliment because, you know, brought up here and my mom is Irish and they're not, they're not good at like, accepting a compliment. And I was like, oh. But then I lived in America and they are so good at accepting compliments. But yeah, I think that we need to like start to, you know, bring in that credit and hold on to it. And actually bringing Barbara back into the conversation here, um, you know, one of the things that's so lovely is being able to talk to other people and knowing that you're not alone, feeling like you're failing at life. And of course you're not. Uh, you're just dealing with something that's really, really tough. Um, but how have you because i know you have a very rare cancer how have you managed to connect with other people yeah well um first not at all mm. so i didn't have a single peer everyone in my uh waiting room was 70 plus 
quite often required assistance from myself because no one else was there to help them. You know, they would wander about and go, no, no, come on, sit back down, wait for the nurse. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and it was really hard as well because they would sort of describe to me what the surgery was and I just couldn't picture it. And I asked my my husband to to Google it and he said, no, 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 you don't want to. Don't you don't don't go down there, Barbara. Don't want to look at it. So I literally went in there blind. I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what my face would look like. Didn't know what my arm would look like. So on the back of that, um, in, during the pandemic, uh, actually a year ago in three days, um, I hosted a meetup called the Young Tongues, which is now a peer-to-peer support group. And I basically went on Instagram and tried to find as many people with tongue cancer uh, who are our age. So anything between 18, actually, we go all the way up to 64, but the young, young hearted 64 year olds, <laughs> um, but predominantly sort of 20s, 30s, 40s. And got them together in a community. We have a WhatsApp group and it was just beautiful, just. I mean, heartwarmingly beautiful. It was so amazing when we got the opportunity to meet up in person um, just a month ago to see other people who have the same scars. And we were literally clambering over each other again. Show me your tongue, show me your arm and show me your neck scar. And do you have this? Do you have that? And, you know, on the chats as well, um, I I was fortunate enough, I um, dodged radio and chemo um i'm on the close surveillance surveillance not surveillance surveillance because of it but but i didn't have to go through it but um radiotherapy specifically head and neck is cruel but on your mat on your tongue is a, is a whole different level so i've had a bit of um external insight into this but what i found is when we have these chats and the whatsapp the amount of support everyone's able to give to each other just by mentioning little tips or mentioning, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely normal. That happened to me too. And I wish I had that whilst mm. I was going through treatment. I wish someone could tell me, oh yeah, the the the, the, the arm scar, it, you know, it's not pretty, but it, it's all right sort of thing. Or this is what mine looks like. And I would have been like, oh, okay, that's yeah. handy. Um, uh, yeah. And just being able to talk with people that um I can relate to is is massive yeah and Reem what was it like um what was it like meeting other people through Shine and um that also had lymphedema and also went through breast cancer I I I think it's so nice to be able to connect with people that just understand what you're going through um and they would always say the right things they just know the right thing to say because they've gone through it themselves so you know um it's just it's really empowering and it kind of reassures you and um you know you get great advice great tips so but again like barbara i didn't do it right at the beginning because I was just, first of all, I think I was in denial. I was just like, mm. and first of all, the doctor said to me, you've got an easy um, cancer. You know, it's, it's, I know, I know. Like, how can you, how can you say that? But yeah, it's really interesting. Barbara reminded me earlier when the doctor said to her about like, that's definitely not cancer. Like they can't say things like that. But I had a doctor say, well, it's fine. It's an easy cancer. So you'll get through it. No problems. But actually turns out that I had lots of problems. Yeah. I, but I just wished, like Barbara said earlier was the fact I didn't join right at, right at the beginning because I was just so busy just trying to get on with it. And maybe I was in a little bit of denial to really 
wanting to accept I was part of the cancer people. Right. I kind of wanted to detach myself from it, if that made yep. any sense. Yeah. So... Um, it's the club no one wants to be a part of. Well, no, exactly. Yeah. exactly. But once yeah. you're in, we're really cool. I know, I know. So I would highly <laughs> recommend it for anyone to start it early because I wish I did. And then I would have been reassured a little bit more about certain things that went wrong. And because then later on, I found out lots of people had lots of difficulties, same as me, and um, and developed lymphedema. So now I'm in another group through shine i got to join another group that's specifically for lymphedema um and that again is super helpful the tips that you get from there it's incredible so yeah highly recommend it for anyone to kind of join those support groups uh peer support groups um yeah yeah. oh that's lovely to hear and barbara you went on the great escape didn't you yeah, I did. That was a, a change. It, I was on the last one just before we all locked down. Right. And <laughs> did the, did um, going on that with Shine, did that kind of inspire your young tongues? I guess so, yes. I think what it really inspired me is to seek out other people like me because it was the first time I got... I, I say that, that. It was the first time I met people who have gone through cancer and got that. But then there was still a bit of difference because my my cancer was so weird, you know, because every everyone's looking at me going like, oh, my God, that surgery sounds awful. And I'm going like, oh, my God, your chemo sounds awful, you know. <laughs> um, and I made some really great friends and it was an amazing time and I learned so much. So we most definitely once they come back online again, or shall we say into the real world as yeah. well, yeah. Go, go go for the escapes. They're amazing. Fabulous. Oh, thank you so much, both of you, for sharing. And yeah, I think all round, like, we need to give ourselves, I don't know, awards, sashes, tiaras. Um, I mean, I think... (laughs) A whole list of accomplishments would be would be fabulous because it is it's a serious level of endurance um, dealing with long term side effects and um, I'm really glad that you've you've both like found different ways found different support and um, found other people that can also yeah kind of normalize the experience right like Absolutely. as shitty as it is yeah um, you know other people that just just get it. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) absolutely. Well, thank you so much to both of you. And a massive thank you, as always, to Radio Facilities, who record and sponsor us at Not Your Grandma's Cancer Show. And if you've liked this episode, there are loads of others. Check them out. But please do rate and subscribe because it helps other people find us. So um, till next time. Bye. Bye.